Hey, thanks for joining us for this series that we're calling Founding Fathers. And today, we're gonna to be looking at a specific character from scripture who you can learn from and can help you grow in your faith. God did great things through these men and women, and God can do great things through you. We hope that you enjoy this teaching and that you'll take a moment before you log off to fill out your connection card. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us through this video in these moments, and we hope that it encourages you in your faith. Stay through to the end. We'll have a special message for you when we wrap things up. Enjoy this teaching. to you uh, my friend that I've never met before, uh, Mojik, and he's from Mongolia, which is part of the world where they put consonants and vowels in way different order than what I'm used to, and so I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing my dear friend who I've never met's name wrong uh, this morning, but I, but I wanted to tell you a little bit about him, and uh, this is from somebody that, that actually does know him, so I'm, I'm fairly confident that it's, that it's true. Mojik uh, was a nurse, and he worked in, in a hospital in Mongolia. He grew up as an atheist, not believing in God or, or his existence. Uh, he was surrounded in his town and in his family uh, by kind of cultural Buddhism. And so that was his religious framework that, that he dealt with. In 1991, we praised the Lord that, that he did become a Christian after experiencing a lack of answers to the challenges that, that he found in the ICU in his job as a nurse. And very quickly from there, he, he began to start planning churches around the, the area where, where he lived. He did that for a few years, and then God prompted in his heart to become a missionary, to go somewhere else and to share the good news about Jesus. And uh, to help keep you awake this morning, I'm going to tell you where he went later in this message, okay? So you just have to deal with the tension here of, of knowing the rest of Mojik's story. But we're going to walk through a passage of Scripture today, and uh, if you're using the Acts journals, I invite you to turn now to, to page 58. We're going to start in, in Acts 10, maybe dip back just for a minute into Acts 9 a little bit, but, but work through this account, and we're going to introduce ourselves to several characters. We met Mojik here 
at the beginning of the sermon, and we're going to introduce ourselves to, to several characters along the way. And the, the first character that we're going to meet in our text this morning is Cornelius, the centurion. And if, if he was uh, a soldier today, he was a Roman soldier back in, in Bible times, this is, this is what he might look like. And in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1, it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. And everything about this introduction is supposed to kind of jar us into thinking, what in the world is going on here? Okay, so our friend Cornelius lives in Caesarea. It's a town named after Julius Caesar. It's the, the, the at that point in the, the history, it's kind of the, the Roman capital or the, the Roman uh, city where, where, as on the coast and with the harbor there, all of the, the leadership and the, the military and all that kind of use that as the, the landing ground for that part of the, the country. Uh, he, was, he was an officer in the, in the army as a centurion. And he had maybe 60 to 100 guys that, that reported to him. Uh, he was uh, probably, you know, uh, rose through the ranks his name might indicate that a few generations before, uh, his great-grandfather or somewhere in there might have been a slave that had been freed by someone named Cornelius. And then all of those slaves took that name and kind of passed it down through their family. So we're, we're wondering, like, okay, what, what's the deal here? Like, we're, we're talking about this soldier in our day, you know, he'd be a Benelli toting shotgun kind of guy. He'd have his Beretta pistol and good Italian gun brands that, that he would be using. And like, who is this guy? And then it just keep, kind of keeps getting more and more disorienting. It says he was a devout man who feared God. And it, he, he wasn't a full believer. He wasn't a proselyte. But he had, he had evidently kind of figured out that this whole like pantheon of gods and religious system that the Romans were in, he, he, he found that lacking. And so he was trying to live in some way to, to gain the approval of a singular God. And, and out of that, and, and maybe because he's, he's then stationed in a part of the world that's close to Jerusalem, and there's a lot of Jewish people in, that, in, in the area, he's kind of favorably disposed to, to the, the Bible, to the Old Testament, to this idea, and he's, he's trying to figure it out. And so he's, he's trying to live a good life. And he's, he becomes very generous in giving towards others. He's well thought of 
by all of the Jewish people that, that know and come to interact with him. Maybe every once in a while he would wander into synagogue and, and, and participate in a service or, or listen in from outside. We don't know. But despite all of this, despite being a great guy and a pillar of the community and a generous person towards those that were less fortunate, he was still most definitely lost. Let's take a look back in our, our story and, and keep tracking along here with our friend Cornelius. Uh, he gave alms, verse 2, generously to the people. He prayed continually to God. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius? And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. So here he said, okay, you're going to go get this preacher. And like all good preachers, he's taking a vacation with a friend who has a beach house. So he's like, go visit him and see there. See Peter, he's lodging with Simon the Tanner by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to him, he sent them to Joppa. And so Cornelius evidently was having these public conversations with the guys that reported to him, and they're all kind of like trying to figure things out. He's influencing them. And after experiencing an angel, he did what everyone probably should do. He, he obeyed and he sent and, and sent two of his trusted people and a, and, a, and a soldier to go get Peter. So then we meet the second character in our story. We meet, we meet Peter. And those of you that, that have grown up in church and that, we, we know Peter, but just to remind you kind of of, of who... Peter is. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He was actually one of the, the leaders, the, the main guys of the 12 disciples and apostles. He was actually the, the founder of the church. Not, not in like the Catholic papal sense, but, but he gave the message that started the church and where thousands of people trusted Christ. Um, he's, he's sometimes a miracle worker. So God used him in a great way. And if you flip back just into the end of, end of chapter 9, we're not going to take the time to look at these accounts, but, but you'll see there, he, he heals a paralytic guy who'd been paralyzed for eight years, Aeneas. And then he actually brought back to life a woman named Dorcas. And so God used him in a great way as a miracle worker. But kind of the, the theme of our message and our, our series here with Founding Fathers is that God uses ordinary men. And so we also want to remind ourselves of Peter's identity as occasionally clueless, right? Peter is notorious for like charging ahead, thinking he's got everything figured out, and then making these great blunders. 
He cuts off people's ears. He starts walking on water and sinks. He says, I'll never deny you, and then he does after the grand inquisition of like a teenage girl. You know, like, like Peter is the guy that, that is at the front and then messes up gloriously. He's, he's occasionally clueless. And then, something I can identify with, our passage today will show us, he's evidently regularly hungry. Okay, so here, here's Peter. Like, he's a guy that likes a good meal, occasionally clueless, sometimes miracle worker. All right, so let's keep tracking through our, our, our story. So remember, in the background, Cornelius has sent these guys. We fast forward in the story, it's the next day. Next day, verse 9. As they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. Now, if we're reading along, like, is this because he's hungry or is something else going on here, right? And saw the heavens opened up and something like a great sheet descending and being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And the thing was taken up to heaven at once. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Okay, so Peter's up there, he's hungry, he might be hangry, he falls into a trance, it's the middle of the day, he evidently is not quite sure, like, what in the world is going on. Did I just fall asleep and have a bad dream? Did I experience something from God? It's, it's interesting, the contrast, Cornelius, this Gentile Roman uh, military leader clearly saw a vision like he had a, a better idea of what was happening than Peter Peter doesn't know God helps him out behold at this moment he's trying to figure it out the men who were at, sent by Cornelius having made inquiry for Simon's house stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, he's still up on the rooftop trying to figure out what's going on, the Spirit said to him, God had to step in and say, Peter, let me help you know what's going on here. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down, accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send to you and come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. So they're going along. Cornelius sends them about three in the afternoon. Go find Peter. 
It's about 30 miles down the coast from Caesarea to Joppa. They show up about lunchtime the next day. Peter welcomes them in and says, hey, let's, let's share a meal together. I'm hungry. Let's get to know one another. We're going to head out tomorrow. The next day he rose and went with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So now they've got the three guys that came, Peter, about six of his friends, and they're going up to Caesarea. The next day they get there, following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as a pastor, like I, understand, like, I get Peter here in this moment. Sometimes you like walk into houses. You've got an appointment with someone. They've asked to meet with you. You really have no idea what or why you're there, but you're like, I'm a pastor. This is what I do. And you knock on the door, and you walk in, and you're like, okay. I remember as a, in a ministry that I was in, in North Iowa, we got a call, and I went to visit this this person, Brooke and I had just been married just a short period of time, and uh, I dragged her along with me, and it was in a rough part of town, and we walked in, and there were just these big, mean dogs, and like four people, they're just standing there looking mean, like trying, and the dogs jumped up on Brooke, and she freaked out, and like, what in the world is going on? We wade through it and, and have a chance to minister and talk about Jesus with them, but it's crazy. So Peter walks in. There's this whole court of people. Hey, we're here to meet with you. Awesome. Uh, as he talked with them, he went in, found many persons gathered. He said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Maybe a little conceited by Peter, like, hey, aren't you glad I'm here? Previously, this wasn't legit, but now it's okay because I saw a vision. A sheet came down and God told me it was good. Well, don't we feel special? Peter says, so then, he, Peter still is trying to figure out what in the world's going on. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? Like, he, he launches in and he says, hey, just so you know, it's a great privilege you get to, I get to come in and hang out with you, like, because it's, it's now okay. Uh, what's, what's up? Why, why am I here? What are we going to talk about? Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me, and he recounts what happened. And then down verse 33, so I sent for you at once and have been, you have been kind enough to come. Cornelius is generous to maybe the less than graceful Peter. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And so Peter then, in this moment, it finally clicks for him. And he remembers back to Acts chapter 1, where Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven, hey, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the end of the earth. And then Peter said, oh, I get it. I'm here to preach. 
I'm here to talk about Jesus, to testify to him. And so in our story, we now meet the, the next character of, of the story, and it's the gospel message. And Peter delivers this message to those that had gathered there. And, and Peter opened his mouth, verse 34, and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. I think we sang a song about that. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went out in order, oh, I skipped a page there. Went about doing good and, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and, and drank with him, bringing in the meal. After he rose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And Peter gives this great presentation of the gospel and shares with Cornelius, this is what it's all about. This thing that you've been groping after, this thing that you've been trying to figure out, here is how it all comes together. And he introduces to him Jesus. And he says, this is what you need to understand about the good news about Jesus, about the gospel message. One, this message is for, is for everyone. Like I was a little slow on the uptake, but you need to know now, the gospel is for everyone. It's for everyone here in this room. It's for everyone in our communities and in our area. It's the good news of peace. It brings peace to the world. It brings peace to your heart. It brings peace to your interactions with God and your relationship with him. Keep in mind, here's Cornelius, a Roman centurion. At that point, probably there to keep the peace in a foreign occupied land. Jesus then lived the perfect life. He did what no one else could do. And then he died for me. He died for you. He died for Cornelius and for everyone sitting there. And he rose again to give new life. And then he brings home like the urgency of, of this message. And he says, Cornelius, and he says, Branch Life Church, you need to remember that this Jesus is also the judge of the living and the dead. 
And everyone is going to stand before him one day and give an account of what he or she believes about Jesus. But the great news is that everyone who believes in this message will be saved. Everyone who says, yes, I believe that I am a sinner and need to be saved by Jesus, that he did live the perfect life, that he did die on the cross for me and was raised from the grave to give me new life, will be saved and will face that judgment and pass the test and enter into glory with Jesus forever in his presence. And so the, the question that I have for you before we continue and, and think about our story here is, have you believed? Have you believed? And that was kind of the question in that day too. Okay, we, we're into this, this jarring, trying to figure out what's going on. Cornelius enters in. Everything about him says, whoa, something different's going on. Peter can't figure it out, gets a little slow, finally figures out I'm supposed to preach. And what happens? While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised Peter's friends that had come along were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing this people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. And the text is, is very clear here. The same thing that happened when Peter delivered his message that started the church happened with these now Gentile true followers of Jesus. They accepted the message of salvation. The Holy Spirit came and indwelt them. And because they were probably from all parts of the Roman world and maybe different guys had been assigned to, to, to Cornelius's uh, uh, unit and maybe different people worked in his household, just like earlier in Acts when the church started in Jerusalem, they started praising God and sharing the good news in their own languages, empowered by the Holy Spirit so that everyone there could hear and understand and celebrate God. And so the question is, have you believed? Maybe like Peter, you did it just in this moment. You've got all the information that you need. All you have to do is within your heart, say before God, yes, I trust in Jesus for my salvation and believe that his death on the cross was for me and his resurrection gives me forgiveness and life with God that lasts forever. I want to circle back to our friend, Mojik. I told you earlier that, that Mojik became a missionary. That he was led by God to go to another part of the world 
to share the good news about Jesus. I want to tell you before I introduce the, the next character for our consideration this morning, where Mojik went to be a missionary. He became a missionary to the United States. He left Mongolia to come to our country to share the good news about Jesus. So I, I want to, to speak to you and introduce to you the next character for you to consider this morning, the United States of America. We live in a great country. I enjoy history. I love the part of the country that we live in and, and founding fathers and we got William Penn on top of buildings and Ben Franklin this and George Washington that and that's all awesome. And we can celebrate that and be proud of that. We can be thankful for the Christian influence that's happened to our country in the past. And I, I don't want to like completely ignore those realities. We can celebrate and be proud of those things. But let me reintroduce to you the United States as we stand right now. Did you know the United States has the fourth largest unchurched population in the world? There are over 200 million people in our country that don't have a connection with church of any kind. They're unchurched. Did you know that in the United States, there are 98 unreached people groups that have population, like, density of significant size. That's why Mojik from Mongolia came, and I think he landed in Denver, to minister to the Mongolian people that, for whatever reason, have, have assembled out in that part of the, air, the world. Unless you think that that's just random, far-flung places, nine of those groups are significantly represented in the Philadelphia area. You want to go to a mission field? Try Hatfield. Seriously. Look up these sites, Joshua Project and UPG, Unreached People Groups North America. You could move to Hatfield. 46, only 46 percent of people in the United States believe in the existence of God as an all-knowing, all-powerful creator who still rules the world today. Less than half of people in our country have an idea about God that would be somewhat close to what the Bible says about God. And information that was just released about two weeks ago, only four percent have a biblical worldview. 4% of people in our country have a biblical worldview. 6.2% identify as evangelical in the Philadelphia area. So let's be generous. Okay, let's round up. 10%. That means 9 out of 10, statistically speaking, of your neighbors... Nine out of ten of the people that live in Spring City, in Pottstown, in Douglasville, Chester Springs, nine out of ten of them are not believers. Don't have a relationship with God. 
Acts 1.8, I've mentioned it before. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here's the reality. The United States is the end of the earth. Okay? We, Becky does a great job with these bumpers and the, the founding father, you know, like... You almost want to stand up when you, when you hear that music and, and say the Pledge of Allegiance or something, you know, like it's West Wing or, you know, I'm dating myself with my television references. <laughs> okay? Like we can get all these warm feelings. The United States is the end of the earth, which means you live in a mission field. You live in a mission field. And it's not even close. 90% of the people, best case scenario, that you interact with on a day-to-day basis, at the store, at the restaurants, at the mall if it still exists, don't know Jesus. And I just want to, to give you some encouragement and some lessons like how do we live that way? Because I don't think we think about ourselves in that way too often. And so as we wrap things up, and I, I challenge you, confront you with this reality, I want to give you five lessons from our text this morning for living as a missionary. And the first one is this, that no one is excluded from the gospel. Okay, we see this come up time after time in these, these verses that are our focus this morning. And we're not going to read the whole, the whole section in, in, in chapter 11, verses 1 through 18, but, but the church, the established church, hears of what's going on, almost exclusively Jewish at this point, and, and, that, and they hear the story that's retold to them in, in all the detail. In verse 18, it says, when they had heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also... God has granted repentance that leads to life. What they're saying here is everyone. Benelli toting Italian soldiers can have the gospel. People that live in King Street on Pottstown need the gospel. People that have a horse farm down the street here need the gospel. People in your workplace, people in your kids' schools, people at the grocery store, everyone around us needs the gospel. No one is excluded. All can come. We've got to have that attitude and perspective. Secondly, We need to be aware of God-appreciating people. Sometimes when we start talking about, hey, be a missionary, hey, do this, go there, you like get the boogeyman in in mind, and and, like it means I'm going to go to some God-forsaken part of the world and they may kill me. God might call some of us to do something like that. But here, the gospel spread to the Gentiles officially through somebody that was already appreciating God. 
that was already open to it. And this is one of the advantages of, of, of how we're approaching ministry here at Branch Life. We come alongside of partner organizations, some of which are Christian, some of which are not, and help people in the community. And you know what we find? We find a lot of people that are like, hey, I think God might be okay. Like, hey, it's a good thing that you're doing. Hey, being generous, helping the poor is, is a good thing. You know what the story of Cornelius tells us? It tells us that's a great place to start with the gospel. And it's an easy road to say, hey, let's take the next step and talk about Jesus. And so as you jump in and, and whatever the next catastrophe is that we get involved in helping with, whatever the next organization is that, that we come alongside and partner with, I'd encourage you, jump in. Because there's a very good chance you're going to meet some God-appreciating people that are just a step away from becoming a follower of Jesus. And you might be the one that gets to share and see them believe. Third, prayer is part of being a missionary. Okay, we gave Peter a hard time because he was hungry and wasn't quite sure what was happening. Do you know why he went up on the roof? He went up to pray. God spoke to him. You know what Cornelius did? He prayed. And we can go into all the theology of whether how God hears unsaved people's prayers and all that. But you know what? If someone's talking to God and says, I want to know you, I'm pretty confident God's going to work and show that. You need to be praying and talking to God about how he might use you. Eating with people is a big deal. Here's the strategy. Go out to lunch with somebody. It's interesting. The thing that the Jewish believers got most upset about and had the most questions with Cornelius was verse 3. You went to uncircumcised men, chapter 11, and ate with them. Of all the things that they were like, I'm not sure if we can do this, it was because he went and had a meal with them. Why is that? Because when you eat with someone, you're saying, we're one. We're sharing the same table. We're sharing the same food. We're equals. And that's the important part of the gospel. We are all equals before God in terms of our need for salvation. And so if you want to start that conversation, take somebody out to lunch. Lastly, if we really believe that the gospel's for everyone, if everyone is the same here at Branch Life Church, we're doing church wrong. Okay? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That means we need to intentionally pursue people that are different from us. Live in different towns have different skin color, maybe spoke different languages, different tax brackets, all of those things. If we're doing church and everyone's the same, we're doing it wrong. So I want to encourage you as, as we wrap up this morning and ask this question, will you be a missionary? Will you recognize that you live on a mission field and you are called to be a missionary. 
Jesus in Luke 10 records his words and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want to take some time right now to pray earnestly. I want to ask you to pray about what your role is in the mission field that's around us. And we're going to take two minutes or so to pray and to talk to God about this, and then, then I'll close us with a word of prayer. And I want you to pray. Yes, pray that God would raise up other people. But I want you to pray about what God is asking you to do in this mission field that we call Southeast Pennsylvania. Would you take some moments and pray? Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, hopefully a little bit more aware of the great mission field that's around us. God, we think not just in abstract, but specifically about the people that live on our streets, that the people that we go to work with, the people that we already have relationships with. God, we pray that you would use us to share the good news about Jesus with them and that they would come at your prompting and drawing to be children of yours through Jesus Christ. God, give us boldness. Give us direction of the next step to take towards our identity as missionaries. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to take uh, the connection card that, that's found in the, the seat there, and we're going to play a video that's just a couple of minutes long that, that highlights this theme of our role of being missionaries in our community. And I want to really encourage you to take the, the connection card and the pen and I want, to, I, I want to hear from you about what your next step is of being a missionary. Maybe it's inviting someone to Easter. Maybe it's inviting a neighbor out to lunch or to a meal. Maybe it's inviting them into your home. 
But, but I want to hear from you what your next step in being a missionary is and encourage you to take these moments while the video plays to write that and then Chris will come and close our service. In the beginning, darkness covered the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The true light, which gives light to everyone, came into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. It is a light for the lost, the searching and the seeking. A light for the darkest valley. A light to drive out fear, even in the shadow of death. When we believe in the light, we become children of the light. It shines in us, through us. If we walk in the light, if we let it shine before others, we become a city on a hill, the light of the world. When we let his word light our path, others will follow. We become a beacon of hope to a world in darkness. Our lives reflect the glory of his resurrection. He makes us a light for the nations, so his salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Let there be light. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this special teaching in our Founding Fathers series. We hope that it's encouraged you in some way. We have been praying for you and are so glad that you've logged on. Before you go, go to branchlife.church and fill out that connection card. We would love to hear from you. We would love to pray for you. And we hope that you'll join us next time as we go further and deeper in our faith.